Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we chat to seven-time European Tour winner Bernd Wiesberger. Hi guys, this is Bernd Wiesberger and welcome to the Golf Monthly podcast. Hi guys, welcome to the clubhouse. I'm Elliot Heath. Hope you're all doing well, staying safe. Today we've got quite a long interview with Bernd Wiesberger. Thanks to Titus for setting this up. Uh, we spoke last week for pretty much an hour. So yeah, covered a lot of things about how he got into golf, why he chose golf over skiing, covered his great amateur career, how he uh, turned pro, obviously won seven titles, spoke about playing in the final group as well with Rory McIlroy at the 2014 US PGA Championship. So uh, yeah, thanks a lot to Bernd for his time. I hope you enjoy this interview. I'll also say that we've had Scott Gregory on the podcast last week and before that Jim Croxton from Bigger, the greenkeeping organisation. So uh, yeah, I'd recommend listening to those as well. For all your latest golf news, check the Golf Monthly website. Uh, join our Facebook group as well, www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Clubhouse Golf Monthly. Uh, follow us on social media as well, you know all the links. And as always guys, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review and subscribe to the Clubhouse Podcast on your usual provider. And like I said, yeah, I hope you're all doing well, staying safe and not going too insane self-isolating at home. If there's anything you'd like us to chat about on the podcast or any questions you want to ask us, please do. And uh, yeah, the podcast should be back next week. But until then, enjoy Bernd Fiesberger. Hi, Bernd Fiesberger. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Firstly, how are you coping with this COVID-19 pandemic and no European Tour golf? Yeah, guys, um, thanks for having me today. Uh, yeah, I'm at home, as I guess everyone else as well. Um, yeah, weird times, obviously, for us. It started a couple of weeks ago with kind of a rush um, exit from the Players' Championship. And uh, since then, it's been you know, quarantine in, in Austria or self-isolation. Um, you know, our government has uh, implied a lot of restrictions quite early, which I think is good in order to keep the numbers down. Uh, but obviously it impacts everyone here, not only, uh, you know, the, the professional sportsmen, but, but everyone through, through society. So, uh, you know, trying to stay positive, um, trying to stay active in as well in my garden and in, uh, in the swing studio in my house so uh you know trying to trying to make the best out of it sure yeah what was it like at the players championship because initially they banned fans didn't they and then they went on and cancelled it i think half past 10 at night or something yeah it was um was strange that whole uh couple of days before that already were, were quite strange as well we had uh well, I wasn't sure, you know, if I had any restrictions already coming from Europe into the States. But, you know, the, my, my, my travel schedule was quite smoothly getting to Jacksonville. And, um, you know, knowing from Europe in that early in that week, it kind of started to uh, get really serious. And, uh, and some, some towns got shut off and uh, kind of isolation started. And, uh, um, you know, hearing those kind of things over from family members and, and out from, from Austria, it uh, was a little bit worrying. And, um, you know, knowing how quickly stuff like this probably could spread, it was didn't feel uh, really right, you know, uh, being out there and, you know, kind of being too close to too many people um, wasn't, you know, too safe for anyone either. 
um, and eventually the PGA Tour uh, banned us from you know signing autographs at all uh, over the practice days and then uh, you know I think midday on the Thursday they decided to not have fans over the weekend and um, yeah on, on Thursday night eventually they they cancelled the, the event and uh, I think it was obviously the only right thing to do. And um, fortunately for me, I was able to get a flight out of uh, Jacksonville via New York rather quickly. And it was eventually the last um, flight with Austrian Airlines, at least straight into Vienna, um, that was um, uh, that was leaving the state because of the travel ban that was, that was um, implied, you know, during that week. But uh, you know, it was, was crazy. And um, you know, obviously things haven't really slowed down after that. As if anything, they've even uh, taken a, a higher pace. So um, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it, it was crazy and, and weird how that that week in particular played out. Yeah. So when do you think the next tournament will be for you? Um, I mean, my guess is as good as any others. Um, you know, obviously this morning or over the last couple of days, uh, kind of. Rumors have spread that the Open Championship won't go ahead and will be cancelled, just like uh, just like Wimbledon did. And uh, you know, with Wimbledon uh, tennis tournament, um, you know, cancelling their event yesterday, maybe maybe uh, the Open uh, won't announce it on the same day. So maybe it will happen today on the on the Thursday that they will announce that. Um, you know, and that's quite deep in the summer already. Obviously, the the staging process and and the amount of work that that goes into that is is a lot more than at other events so uh, maybe you know tournaments like uh, you know uh, BMW in Munich or uh, or the Scottish Open would I would be defending um, have a little bit of a, sh- of a shorter time frame that that they need in order to stage the event but you know as, at this moment in time my my guess is as good as anyone's uh, I don't have any more information than you know um, the media or or any other golf fans so the first thing is, I think, um, to have uh, this thing under control. The next thing, obviously, is that with, with with golf or any other sport, you know, a lot of the the athletes have to travel internationally, and, and unless uh, most of the travel restrictions are loosened or or gone, um, uh, it would be very um, unfair in a way to to stage events if you know some some guys from i don't know from the states or from asia or anywhere in the world have um, travel restrictions and wouldn't be able to um you know attend the event so that's uh, something that that plays into that as well but you know hopefully we will be able to get a little bit of, of golf going again in the summer and uh yeah but um f- first of all you know every one of us will have to do their part in order to uh, you know, uh, some somehow stop stop the spread and and get it under control and eventually have it uh, disappear as as much as possible. This has been quite a big blow to you professionally, especially because it looked like you might be able to make your Ryder Cup debut later this year. I don't know what's going to happen with the Ryder Cup. I'm sure each of our no, guesses I mean, are as good as anyone yeah. else's, but uh, that's a shame as well, isn't it? Yeah, neither do we. Um, you know, it's uh, obviously a big event, uh, as is the the Masters or the U.S. Open or the Open Championship or the Wimbledon Tennis or you know the 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 Euro in in uh, in football, which has been postponed already, and, and the Olympics now. So um, you know, I don't think that that uh, the 
what, what this event means to the golfers uh, has any uh, any influence and if if it should be staged or not so uh, we'll see uh, obviously the america or the united states is gonna get or looks to be hit very very hard as well by this disease and uh, they are kind of delayed as well compared to europe and obviously with, with the Ryder cup being staged in uh, in the states um is is you know we would we definitely have to consider the possibility that the Ryder Cup will not go ahead this year either. Yeah, so right now you're in Austria, aren't you? So do you live in? Is it Obervolt? Um, I, I live about ten minutes from there. So Obervolt is my my hometown where I grew up. I I moved into uh, ten minutes away near near my golf club. Yeah, so it's about an hour an hour and a half south of uh, Vienna. Oh, I see. You still live very local to where you grew up. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I have a lot of, let's say, uh, you know, a, a lot of um, traveling and a lot of stressful uh, um, times traveling. So I, I preferred to not live in too big of a city in order to kind of uh, not be stuck into traffic on my way from and to the golf courses too much. So I preferred being a little bit more. Uh, you know, on the on the countryside maybe, and uh, uh, have it a little bit more easier going um, uh, on on that part. Do you only have any other properties worldwide, or do you just live in hotels whilst you're out on tour? Yeah, I mean, if we if I if I if I travel, it's obviously um, hotels. Um, at any at some of the other events, uh, you know, like the major championships, sometimes uh, we're renting renting houses if you know. Uh, coaches and family members are joining um, for example mast is a good example where we always have a house um, where more people are coming to to watch watch the event um, but most of the time it's 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 hotels and yeah I do not have any any other property uh, abroad which I would um, you know use to to stay in uh, while while playing um, professional golf uh, like for example um, uh, I think Shane or Alex Noren have have places in Florida. I I I don't uh, don't have that. No. So your father owned a sports shop, didn't he, in your hometown? Is that right? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's a little bit of a, a bigger story. So my my uh, mom's uh, grandfather used to be um, a shoemaker, and uh, her dad took took over that business, and they used to have like a quite a big um, uh, store for that and my mom and my dad transferred it uh, into um, a sports store in in my hometown and um, it was quite a big uh, sports store uh, then and then they had the opportunity to um, in the in the mid 90s to um, start the, the pro shop in in my home golf club which which we still have uh, we've since sold the, the sports store uh, a couple of years ago when my my mom retired but uh, we still have they have still have the the pro shop and uh you know obviously that that helped a little bit to you know have the nice nice and, and uh, latest equipment in in all sports um uh and and especially golf so uh yeah my my parents uh, when i grew up they were they were uh, owners of a, a nice uh, sports store in uh, in the pro shop so you obviously would have had quite good access to some good skiing yeah. equipment why golf yeah. and not skiing uh, yeah, skiing equipment, uh, anything you know. Football, I played football growing up. Actually, my hometown is quite a big basketball town as well. In you know, in the dimensions of, of Austrian basketball, uh, but a lot of my 
friends in uh, in school played basketball and, and obviously golf. Um, you know, I, I love skiing. And if you ask me if if, if what I, what other sport I would have done professionally if it wasn't for golf, I would have loved to be a skier. But you know that the region I live in it's it's uh, it's not alpine. It, we don't have too many uh, skiing. Well, we don't have any skiing resorts where I live, and and the next bigger slopes are quite a good drive away. So uh, the it, it was mainly the the location that prevented me from uh, from doing that but you know we had lovely skiing holidays uh, when we were kids and still enjoy going to the slopes every now and then in the winter but uh, you know um, it works better for me that way but uh, you know I, I love watch skiing and and really appreciate what these guys are doing it's a uh, it's a cool sport to watch and also to uh, to be active in and uh, yeah but wasn't wasn't to be for me no so you chose golf is it right that your dad taught you and um, like how quickly did you get quite good at it yeah so I mean when you uh, as a young kid obviously I got introduced uh, from my parents to a lot of different sports as I said we went to skiing holidays and uh, in the winter and you know in the summer played uh, you know football and, and tennis so it was never a shortage of, of uh, sporting possibilities um, you know, because I think generally in, in my in my uh, hometown um, there's a lot of uh, access to that, and 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 kids my age were quite active back then. You know, nowadays um, it might be a little bit more uh, towards online gaming and stuff like that. But back then we actually still did did some sports, and uh, yeah, I had, had good access from my my parents. And uh, eventually, when the golf course where I'm still a member and attached that. And which um, I still practice at until uh, till today um, opened up in '93. Um, my my dad was uh, one of the founding members, and I got introduced through him then. And uh, you know, he he gave me kind of my first golf club where I was hitting it on a on a field. And you know, uh, sometimes looking at the old pictures where you could see the whole uh, golf course and facilities developing. Um, you know, he was always he was always supportive there, and 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 took me to the golf club and. Obviously, in the summer and in, in school holidays, when when they were in the in the shop and the golf course, uh, was was great for me to be up there as well and you know hit a few shots and play a few holes, and kind of you know developed through that. But you know never never in a pressure situation in order to you know having to be a golf profession. Obviously, everything was uh, up to my will if I wanted to put the hours in and and uh, and work on on my golf game and try to get better. And uh, eventually, you know. Playing football wasn't wasn't that important to me anymore because I wanted to focus a little bit more time in the summer on golf and then you know playing tournaments uh, nationally and when you get better playing a few small international tournaments and so yeah it was kind of a, a steady uh, progress uh, towards getting better at golf and then eventually become uh, turning professional uh, after finishing business school and my uh, my military um, obligations. Yeah, so you won the Austrian Amateur Stroke Play Championship three years in a row, from 2004 to 2006. What was that like? Uh, that's so long ago, I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you win it by a lot, or were they good uh, close sport contests? I don't know, I mean, contest? it was, uh, well, it, 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 the, the National uh, Open Championship was combined, combined with uh, the professionals. Um, we had a couple of, you know, not like Spree wouldn't play because he was always on the European tour, but the guys from from the third level tours, uh, the Alps tour, um, 
and and pro golf tour what it's called now they they would come and, and play in that so the, the last two years i actually tried always to to beat the the professionals already and uh i i don't think i managed i think i sec uh, twice finished second behind the best professional but i did pretty pretty well and, and one year i think it was um unfortunately the, the last year was we had a with a rain wash out so i think only two out of the three rounds were counting which was a shame but um yeah, it's it's distant memories, but uh, still, still somewhat uh, fun to to think back at. And uh, you know, a lot of these guys have have gone on and, and played uh, golf professionally on, on different levels. So it was good fun. But uh, I don't think any of them were really runaway victories with like uh, five, six, seven shots uh, margins. But uh, I think comfortable enough to close it out with a par in the last. Yeah, so you said that you went to business school. Was that in Austria? Yeah, so I mean, um, I uh, I went to a, a school in, in Austria, which is um, focused mainly on you know on the business business education, you know, accounting and, and marketing stuff. So I, I graduated uh, through that. But and then in Austria, you still have to. Uh, do your military service or, or social service uh, after at, at a certain age. So I did that and I was able to get into um, the, the sports part of it, uh, where uh, if, you, if you're a member of, um, of a national team from, from any sporting federation, they had a certain um, amount of, of, um, of athletes that they could send in there and I was enough to be able to do that. And my, my six month um, military training um, took part and I had like a, a month of, of, of base, base camp training and then the other five months was able to you know go to tournaments practice and uh, everything was a little obviously a lot easier going than than the regular military search which obviously helped me in order to stay um, you know stay active with, with my golf game and, and improve on, on that side. Wow so you turned pro in 2006 at the age of I think 19 or 20 of plus three uh, did you feel you were ready to turn pro then or like, why didn't you go to U.S. Golf College? Was that not an option? Um, yeah, it was in the back of my 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 head. Obviously, when uh, I got to the started military service uh, in January 2006, and then obviously had uh, that half year of uh, of uh, military service, and then you know, not so the goal was then to uh, to prepare for Q school in that year, and I got all the way through to. Um, to the final stage and had a, a challenge to card at the worst, which was my, you know, my my minimum um, uh, target in order to to turn professional. And I think if I if I wouldn't have um, made that, I would have uh, definitely looked into the possibility because I knew a couple of people in the states to go on a maybe on a golf scholarship and have a couple of. Uh, you know, um, years or, or semesters uh, over there. But, you know, the way I was able to to start my professional career, at least on, on Challenge Tour, which was a great uh, learning uh, learning experience, I, you know, I had to withdraw the, the idea of, of going to college in the States. Yeah, also, how did you learn English? Because I'm sure our listeners will, will be thinking that you speak very, very good English. Yeah, I mean... Um, we had a uh, first of all i had i was lucky enough to have one really good uh, uh, english teacher in um, 
and I, and I even don't know, don't know even know the, the words. So I, I see how good my English is. But uh, you know, in, in in school when I was around um, 12 to 14 years old, uh, he was very, uh, you know, very good in 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 uh, you know teaching us the, the good good fundamentals and uh, and, and um, yeah. Then after that or, or during that time, uh, obviously with having a David Ledbetter Golf Academy in my home club. A lot of guys from the States and, and from the UK would come in as instructors and, you know, they wouldn't speak German. So the only way to to communicate with them is is for me to improve my, my English uh, skills. So I think that helped a lot earlier in the in, in my life to uh, to have, you know, somewhat solid uh, knowledge of the English language and you know nowadays I feel quite comfortable speaking because it's you know the only language you really speak when you're out there on tour for for a couple of years and and week in and week out so that's the, the main language of communication and uh, yeah uh, uh, but I I uh, thank you for your compliments for, for regarding my uh, my English skills. No I'm always very impressed with Europeans how well they speak English because us Brits don't really speak for languages as well as you guys. Do you speak any other languages? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, 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 I learned um, French uh, in school as well, but you know, it's it's not a, a language for me that I particularly um, um, am able to, to speak a lot. And especially after, you know, after finishing school, I think if you, it's important to nurture, nurture it. So if you speak a lot of English, you know, it, you, you uh, kind of almost think in, in uh, um, that that way when you when you speak to uh, to somebody at the tournaments or or my coaches or um, um, you know anyone outside uh, outside Austria I guess um, with French the other language I learned you know it, it's tough to uh, have that much contact to French speaking people in order to you know keep the the vocabulary alive and, and the grammar alive so kind of uh, I've I've still got got the basics but uh, unfortunately I'm, I'm nowhere near as uh, uh, as, as solid um, as with with English, I guess. No, so um, so how much of an influence was Marcus Breer on you? Obviously, he before you, he was the best Austrian golfer, I guess, in history. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, we're not obviously a very um, uh, big golfing um, culture country with, with with football and skiing being dominant, obviously. Um, but Marcus was uh, together with a couple other guys in his in his um, you know age bracket. Um, I think they had kind of a, a good rivalry internally, internally, and they um, they pushed pushed each other. And some of the guys, or actually most of the guys, at least made it to to challenge tour. And another one, in a friend of mine, Nikki Sydney, made it to the main tour as well. So they had a, a good um, couple of guys that. Uh, you know, as I said, they, they pushed each other in, in practice and, and in, in their performance. And Marcus obviously excelled and he was uh, kind of the first Austrian to, to make it on tour and win on tour and kind of open a new um, uh, horizon for a lot of uh, younger players coming coming out of, you know, my kind of age bracket. And uh, uh, therefore, uh, it's really, really important what Marcus has done for, for Austrian golf. Um, in order to show, you know, whether whether journey and and that the game uh, was able to take us, and especially from a, from a country where you wouldn't necessarily expect, um, you know, decent golfers to, golfers to come out from. No, so as, as well as him, were 
your idols, the likes of like Tiger Woods, Ernie Els, those kind of guys? Yeah, yeah I mean, obviously, when I, when I grew up, as I said, I started playing um, when I had my first couple of golf shots in 92, 93, and then it was all still pretty loose and, and, and not too, uh, too strict, um, you know, practice regimes or whatever. Uh, so I just enjoyed going on the golf course every now and then as a kid and, 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 and hit some balls. But then, you know, when, when that, those first um, kind of reports from this, this guy from the States and eventually he won, from, he won in 1997 the, the, the Masters, um, you know, you could, could see uh, or could find yourself a, an idol uh, and, and a global superstar in, in Tiger. But I've also always uh, enjoyed uh, watching Ernie and I think the, the natural rivalry they had together with, you know, with Phil and, and, and Vijay later retief probably from the big five then um but you know that was that was definitely something that i enjoyed following and uh, uh and still do you know i still love uh seeing those guys uh, on the tournaments and and uh, they're still competitive and and still great players obviously yeah so you won twice in france in 2010 on the challenge tour yeah uh, what were those years leading up to those first wins like difficult um yeah uh, i mean obviously the the challenge two years are always learning years you know it's it's a, a good stage to to improve your game and and uh, trying to become a, a winner on, on on a higher um professional golf tour and um i'd say especially the 09 after i qualified for you Q school for the for main tour it was um, a kind of slap in the face and, and a bit of you know you gotta improve on, on certain things in order to achieve um, being successful on the on the biggest tours in the world in the biggest tournament so um, I was able to you know to sharpen a couple of things up and and win my chance the year on uh, on challenge tour and um, graduate i think i was fifth on on challenge tour that year and um, you know get back on tour um, which was my main goal uh, but not only go back on tour but come back being competitive and be able to you know have a, have a more longevity in in uh, on, on that tour and uh, fortunately enough i was able to you know do that since since 2011 where i've um, um, I had a, had a decent year, kept my card, and you know after that I was able to win my first event in 2012. Yeah, that was the Ballantines Championship. Then yeah, you also won the Leoness Open in your home country. You described that I think as the best day of your life. Talk to me about winning your national open. Yeah, um, it was professionally obviously a great, uh, unbelievable day. Um, you know, I don't remember too much of the whole week except for probably the last uh, ten holes, which which are obviously quite quite memorable. Um, the way the friend of mine, uh, Torbjorn Olsen, was leading the event, and he was arguably one of the, the biggest talents that the European Tour had, and played great golf. And you know, I kind of uh, I, back then we we had. Um, the the nines revised so what what is now 18 used to be nine uh, that par three so um i hit a very, very good shot into that hole and uh, and made birdie and it kind of sparked an unbelievable run for me and 
you know, topped it off with a great part on the last. So it was a very, very emotional day in front of my you know, family and friends and, and uh, home fans. And um, it's, uh, it's a special feeling, you know, I think, for any sportsman or athlete to, to win in front of um, your, your home crowd at your home tournament. Uh, and yeah, that was very special for me as well. Yeah, then it took you a while to win again. Uh, what, three years later at the French Open? Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so 2015, exactly. Yeah, so what were those years like between those wins? I mean, I came, I had, had solid, solid years. I was just not able to, to um, you know, pull off a, a win, a lot of, lot of close calls. I wouldn't say, say a big amount of, a lot of amount of luck, but, you know, the, the grid and, and uh, the right, um, you know, things kind of need to fall into place a little bit as well. And I uh, felt I was uh, struggling a little bit to, you know, to, to pull it off on those final days. But, you know, never never stopped uh, the belief that I had it in me to, to win again on tour. So, you know, kept kept doing what I, I felt was the right thing. Um, tried, tried to improve. And it was quite quite solid years, you know. I was qualified easily for the race to do by at the end of the year. But obviously... Starting um, starting off in 2015, uh, winning in the French Open kind of put me into the um, you know the heights of, of the top 50 in the world and and getting into the into all the major championships and that really kind of got me into a, a, a different level. Um, I, I, feel, I believe. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the uh, 2014 US PGA as well at Valhalla. You played in the final group there with Rory McIlroy on the Sunday a day after shooting 65, playing alongside Phil Mickelson. What do yeah. you remember about that week? must have been one of the best of your career. Yeah, that was, that was uh, really cool. Um, it was a f- fun week, a fun, fun Saturday, obviously. Uh, being able to get paired with, with Phil on, uh, on a weekend in, uh, at a major was, was unbelievable. And you know, playing great golf that day as well and, and getting myself into that final group with, with Rory was um, uh, was special. Um, obviously, I would have loved to play a little bit better on the Sunday, but uh, still, it was uh, you know part of of the journey so far and and getting myself into a position there. And yeah, it was it was fun to uh, to be to be in that position and tried tried my 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 heart out and and everything I, I could do. It just wasn't quite to be that day. Uh, but on the other side, I, you know, I enjoyed the the possibility and you know also. Um, Learned a lot from the way um, Rory played that day uh, and, and his de- determination he had, um, you know, coming off quite poor front nine for both of us, really, and, and not playing well and uh, it around beautifully and, and deserved that win. And it was, uh, you know, quite a memorable finish with, you know, uh, kind of finishing in the dark under the, the lights of a lot of um, flashing lights on the 18th. So... That was uh, was a cool experience and uh, definitely a big uh, milestone for me as well. Even though it didn't quite work out the way I would have hoped it would. Yeah, I'm sure that's a very cool experience uh, playing with Rory, seeing a European win a major in America. Uh, do you remember his eagle on the tenth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. That must have been quite cool to see. Well, that I mean, three would he hit in there? Yeah, I mean, it was. To, to be honest, and he would, if you asked him, he would probably agree. 
it was an awful an awful golf shot to be honest uh he had a great drive down the fairway to to set himself up to to uh to you know pro- potentially definitely birdie that hole but uh you know, he, he basically finned it. He finned his free wood. He came up. He, he was easily able to carry that that uh, club all the way to the flag. And I think if you, um, I think the TV uh, showed it from from like the the the, uh, the blimp from the from the, the sky, so you could only see the ball. And it was a massive kind of finned and had not had, didn't have it airborne. And uh, you know, it was like a good fortunes for the for the ball to funnel down that that into that gap in the in the in the fairway and onto the green and obviously took advantage of it and after that he played beautiful golf you know but uh, if he asked him and he would, it, he'll probably answer uh, truthfully that it wasn't there wasn't the greatest free free would he hit in his life but you know it sometimes it it takes stuff like this and and momentum to take over and after that he played played great golf and closed it out like a champion and um but was was fun to see, but that was that was a uh, you know a diff, little bit of a different uh, eagle he made there. But it didn't matter free on the scorecard, and he went he went home with a trophy. Yeah, it's definitely a bit necky, wasn't it? Definitely started yeah. left. Yeah, it was like a necky cut, and you know it funneled down on that. It was like a one of these um, Daytona kind of curved uh, corners, and you know it just trickled down perfectly to the hole, and uh, yeah. As I said, uh, after that, it was pretty class uh, from a point of uh, shot making and, you know, closing out. Right. So you then won in 2017 in China at the Shenzhen International. Yeah, that, that was, uh, was your four, yeah. fourth. Yeah. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, that was pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, uh, you beat Tommy Fleetwood in the playoffs? Yeah, I did. I um had a little bit of a, a tough Sunday. It was it wasn't great weather. It was a bit rainy, and and Tommy, uh, I think he shot like 63 or something like nine under to to catch me. Uh, I had a putt from probably 15 feet on the on the last two to win it, and kind of left it a little short in the jaws. So we went back to uh, to playoff, and uh, you know I um, I got a little lucky because my ball got got stuck on a on a bank near the water hazard on the right. And uh, yeah, after that, I hit a really, I had exactly the same number as I had in in regular play, from a similar actually position, and uh, hit a nine iron, I think, to five or six feet uh, from like a hanging line from the rough. So that was pretty pretty cool shot, probably my best shot under the circumstances I've hit so far, and uh, you know, edged him out. Um, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't a clean day for me. I think I shot two under that Sunday, uh, but but the guys guys were flying and and. Uh, Going low that day, but he was able to, you know, to come home with a, with a trophy. Though, have you been in many playoffs? Um, I've been in a few. I've been in the playoff. I think my first playoff was actually a four or five man playoff up in um, Glen Eagles when when Thomas Bjorn won. I think it was a five man playoff. I think it was myself. I think Pablo Rasabal was in it. Um, uh, Thomas Bjorn, George Kutsia. Uh, and I think uh, who else was in there? I think it was five of us. And then I had another one at the Irish Open where uh, oh, Sonny yeah. won with with Eddie Peps. Uh, yeah, and that one. Uh, yeah, and then probably the the one that was uh, was the hardest to bear was a playoff against Michael Lundberg in uh, in Austria again a couple of years after I've won, and he he drained like a 30 footer 
uh, on me on the first playoff hole for birdie on the par three, uh, 18th. And, you know, I, um, unfortunately couldn't, couldn't, uh, could match him then. So yeah, I've been in a, in a few playoffs over time. Yeah. Do you get nervous in playoffs or do you just feel like you've got nothing to lose? Um, well, actually, I forgot one. Actually, I actually won won a playoff at the Scottish Open as well against Ben Hebert last year. So I think it must have been five. So um, it depends a little bit on the situation. In, as I said, in, in Scotland, I was in the in a fortunate position that I kind of came off the course uh, and made a really good par saving par putt on the last. So I was uh, kind of uh, you know not not happy to be in a playoff, obviously, because I would have wanted to win it outright, but. Uh, uh, I was kind of fresh. I was just came off the golf course. I just had to sign my card and, and get on with it again. Where in other situations, you know, I had a little bit of the weight and uh, you know maybe even warm up again and you know kind of uh, thoughts you know trickle into your mind. So it's a little bit more of a different situations. So if you, I think if you maybe if you're in the last group and you sign the card and get out again, it's kind of no real time to get nervous, so just get on with it and and try to um, restart and uh, start it start fresh. It doesn't matter what what happened the the holes before, or you know, just um, try to make the the lower score of the of the contestants in that in that playoff. And uh, you know, no time no time to be nervous. Just time to you know make the right shot at, at the right time now. Yeah, just going back to what you said there about Mikel Lindbergh drilling a massive putt on you. Um, did you watch Jorge Campillo against David Drysdale in the week? No. Well, actually, I watched it on on uh, uh, on the highlights. Yeah, but I haven't watched it live. Yeah, he was uh, holding them from everywhere. Yeah, Campillo. I, I saw that. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Yeah, as well. Uh, and you know, obviously, I don't want to take away anything from from uh, from Jorge because. Fair enough, won it fair and square. But you know, myself and uh, and and my caddy are um, uh, you know quite friendly with with um, with David. Uh, my caddy, we've worked for him for a long time, and uh, and him and his wife Vicky are uh, super nice people. And obviously, he, he wasn't able to to win yet on European tour. So uh, secretly, I was maybe a little bit cheering for uh, for David to to get his maiden win there, but. You know, it was oh, uh, yeah. I think was, everyone was. It was uh, it was great to uh, to see such a high high level of golf, and uh, you know, somebody eventually has to come out uh, as a winner. And um, of course, he's a great player. You know, very steady. And I've I've witnessed firsthand uh, how much damage he can make with his putter. So he's a very good putter, as you know, a lot of uh, Spaniards are. And uh, you know, was I guess it was was his time to. To roll in a few additional ones on that on that on that day and in that playoff. Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, it did feel bad for Drysdale that he did so well. Right. Anyway, back to you. So you won in China, beat Fleetwood in the playoff to win your fifth European Tour event. That yeah. looked like you were in quite a good position to qualify for the Ryder Cup the following year. Thomas Bjorn then picked you for the Eurasia Cup, yeah. and then the wrist injury came. Yeah, I think I qualified for the Eurasia Cup. Uh, I think he picked, um, I think he picked Stenson and Paul Casey. Um, I don't know how many picks there were. So I think I think it was like five or ten guys that the high, ten highest highest uh, ranked guys from the money list would qualify directly. I think something like that. 
so I qualified for the Eurasia Cup uh, and um, we won that as as we did in 2016 as well. That's always always a fun week, obviously, bonding with with the guys in the Ryder Cup beer and you know playing for for the Ryder Cup captain to be uh, uh, later that year. So yeah, but unfortunately, uh, obviously not not on top of that, wasn't really playing great the rest of of the next few months until my injury. But then you know I was. Uh, uh, Early May 2018, I had, um, you know, uh, ruptured my my subsheath in the left wrist, so uh, golf was kind of um, in the background for a while. Yeah, so you missed what five or six months? Um, well, yeah. So the initial uh, diagnosis was um, that I had to, or the treatment plan was that I had to, you know, lay low and and let it uh, heal up for eight to ten weeks and and see if um, my subsheath that was um, ruptured um, would uh, reattach and and strengthen up to a point where I could uh, play without doing any damage or any pain. Uh, but unfortunately, after you know nine or ten weeks, when we when we tried chipping and pitching a few shots, it it was exactly the same. So basically, unfortunately, at the end of the day, it was like a couple of months lost there. Um, in comparison to if I had it had it uh, repaired surgically immediately, but um, you know after that I was able to get a, an appointment with with Doug Campbell in Leeds um, after consulting with you know a lot of specialists and uh, but you know Doug he's he's been on our European Tour medical board for a lot of time now and he's been um, out at events where you know we could have a, a checkup as well every now and then so I felt very comfortable having him do the procedure and I think that was done like um, um, early July and um, you know then just the regular rehab times and, and get back into shape and recover and eventually I started playing again um, I probably could have played the, the Turkish Airlines Open uh, in mid-November but I had literally no uh, no more than a week and a half or so practice and I didn't feel it was right for me to take away a spot from somebody uh, that late in the year who's playing maybe for qualifying to Dubai or anything and uh, I was probably not going to be able to shoot much under 80. Um, so I, I decided to to make it um, back at the um, Mauritius Open in uh, early December, I believe it was. And this was after you... This was after you'd been at the Ryder Cup working for Sky Germany. Yeah, so that was around the time where I started hitting, uh, pitching again. And, you know, I was a little bit bored. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, I, was, uh, I had the, the opportunity to, uh, to work with, uh, with Sky on many occasions before. Not, not as, a, as, a, you know, as, a, as a commentator or anything, but, you know, um, doing bits and pieces for their, their, their uh, golf feed and everything. So, um, yeah, it was, was able for me to, um, to be part of the, the team on site at, uh, in Paris. And, you know, I took my brother with me and we had a couple of nice, nice days there on the course and uh, enjoyed the, you know, the atmosphere around, around that event. I've not been to Ryder Cup before that, so it was uh, special as well. And, yeah, tried to give my uh, whatever knowledge I had about the Ryder Cup and, and, and that golf course, obviously, where I've won before to, to the German-speaking viewers. Yeah, so uh, some said they liked it. Nobody said they didn't like it. Maybe they were too... Uh, uh, they didn't want to hurt my feelings, maybe. But, you know, it was good fun. And, 
you know, nice to get in touch with the guys as well. Thomas was kind enough to uh, invite me to the team room and I was able to catch up with some of the guys that I haven't seen for a while. And uh, that was, was, was good fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, definitely sparked, sparked the flame to be part of one of them at, at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. So, yeah, after sparking that flame, you then went into 2019, which was the best year of your career. Won three times in Denmark, Scotland and Italy, including two Rolex Series events. Reached a career-high 21st in the world. Um, did you ever think you could have a season like that? Um, well, everything that, you know, that happened during the time off, we tried to put into place that I could be as, as successful as possible going forward. Uh, and, you know, you never, can never plan, obviously, to, to have, have a season like this um, after coming off from, from injury. But, you know, I tried to get myself into the best position possible um, with, with some, some, some changes I made and, and uh, some new stuff that I, uh, in, you know, implied in my, my practice and all that. So, well... It was very thankful or very very humble for the the season I've had and and together with the support from from all the guys in my team, uh, but it's you know it's tough to say that we've we've planned or expected such a such an outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So you were first in the race to Dubai, leading into the final series. Eventually finished third. Uh, that must have been so much fun being in the hunt for that. Yeah, that was good. Um, obviously, had a had that position. I took the position over after I won in Italy um, <clears throat> the, for the third for the third time that year, and uh, you know, I was able to kind of hang on and, and stay in that position over uh, the next few weeks. Had a good week in uh, at the Net Bank the week before Dubai. Unfortunately, a little bit of a hiccup on the last. Otherwise, I would have had a little bit more of a cushion going into Dubai. But um, you know, still still a great experience to be able to play for that title. And, you know, I mean, um, Tommy and and, uh, and John especially had uh, great, great uh, weeks in Dubai and, and Tommy, obviously, in, at the net bank as well. So, you know, I tried all I could. It wasn't wasn't quite on top of my game, but those guys definitely uh, were and, and played a great, a great uh, tournament in Dubai and deserved to, to be uh, standing on, on, on top of the rankings. But it was still, if you've, you know, if you've given me uh, that opportunity early in the year with um, you know missing cuts in in uh, Mauritius and and South Africa earlier and and not really playing maybe um, uh, March or April time you know would have uh, would have taken that with uh, with many thanks for sure. Yeah, just looking here, seven European Tour wins, starting from what you told me there, hitting shots in a field with clubs from your dad's shop to to go on to win those titles, win over 13 million euros on the European tour. You must be thankful that you've had an amazing career so far. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, uh, I've put a lot into it and trying to get myself into the position to be successful and a lot of people along the way have. So uh, very thankful about that. And obviously, the European tour is uh, is you know, no growing and, and uh, definitely living in fortunate times to be able to, to play that many great events. Um, and, you know, uh, even more so happy that I could, that I was able so far to, you know, make maybe a, a small little mark of myself as well on that tour and, and winning a couple of times. That's, uh, 
um, been always a dream of mine uh, and a goal of mine, and uh, uh, very thankful to be able to, you know, have uh, have a couple of those trophies at home now. Majors next. Well, I would I would take obviously I've got enough room for a couple of major trophies as well for for sure. But uh, you know, let's hope we're gonna start playing some of them. Uh, do my best to be as well prepared as I can in order to tackle those as well. But, you know, the game of golf is uh, getting stronger and stronger by the minute. A lot of talent out there, a lot of a lot of great players. And, you know, it takes a special week to be on on, on top of um, on top of the rankings, on, on the top of the leaderboards in, in one of the major weeks. So definitely a goal, at least to improve on my, my performance so far in the majors. But, uh, you know, hopefully we have... On that part, a lot of uh, major golf left as well, where you know we can um, we can just do that. Yeah, something else I wanted to mention or talk to you about was um, your Scotty Cameron collection. I don't know if anyone's seen it. No, I wish it was only thirty. <laughs> yeah, I've I've used the product. Or I've been with with Titleist for for many years, and they've been very supportive in my amateur career already. And uh, I think they still have a great amateur program. Uh, where they, you know, identify a lot of really good young talent that's coming through, and you know, I've uh, I've, I've kept basically every putter I ever got from from Scotty. I think from a part of the odd couple that my brother uh, got. So yeah, I've, I've, uh, a couple of years ago, I've had this this rack made up for the putters and, and the head covers, and it's pretty. Well, it's basically completely full now, but. Uh, I would say we're looking probably over the years, you know, with 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 Alan Turin, obviously the the factory would want you to to try and 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 uh, at least try the newest product and see if you if you see any improvements. And so therefore, a lot of a lot of stuff gets um, stocked up over the years. And you know, I think I'm looking at about yeah 50 to 60 parts that I have uh, standing around uh, at home. But I've got to say, most of them. I have actually used in tournament play as well. Some of them I have, um, you know, bought or or, or uh, assembled as part of of, of the collection. You know, a couple of really uh, historic you know, models that that Scotty Cameron came out over the years. Uh, and I'm looking right now at a, at a Del Mar model, which uh, which is very very cool model, very cool shape. You know, maybe not as much as a maybe as relevant. There's obviously a lot of guys who still like the like the the classic looking powder so technology has gone a long way or the, the mapa model um, very you know very 70s 80s kind of style of a powder but uh, still great craftsmanship that that the guys at Scotty Cameron uh, put in and uh, it's 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 kind of like part of my uh, my furniture now and I like looking at them and you know uh, they don't get a roll every now and then but at least they, they get a couple of uh, looks and um you know people that come by the house uh, especially golfers enjoy looking at it and looking at them and having a you know a couple of swings every now and then as well yeah so you've been with Titleist for well your whole career what like 14 15 years that's that's quite rare these days you always see players moving about manufacturers uh, yeah. what's that relationship been like i mean in general i try to you know find a uh, I don't like to call them sponsors. I like more like call them partners because uh, uh, I think we're both striving to, to to get the best out of each other. And with um, with with Titleist back in the days as an amateur, uh, as I said, they had a really good um, 
program uh, for for younger players. And for example, Rory was one of their players as well. It was Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, uh, Justin Thomas. You got um, you know a lot of uh, support from then through the for the amateur days. And for me, I you know I I believe that throughout uh, all parts of the equipment, they were always able to produce the best product possible um, for me and therefore you know I never really felt the need to to look anywhere else um, in the bigger picture for you know putting my trust into the equipment to play play my best golf so um, yeah I've uh, been fortunate enough to to have the same kind of uh, you know commitment from their side and support from their side so uh, yeah it's been uh, been a a long time and uh, since I first got kind of scouted I think it was one of the Eisenhower trophies I think it might have been in in uh, Puerto Rico in 2004 you know where I first uh, one of the tightest amateur reps gave me if I was uh, wanted to you know try the product and uh, really liked it I think tightlist um, also has a certain flair around them, similar like probably you would say uh, like a Ferrari has or Ferrari car has with, with Formula One fans. It's always like kind of a certain um, you know coolness and, and, and swagger about it. I'd, I'd say, and they, they make great product. And obviously, it's gone uh, really well through through the the newer technology and into newer technology as well. Still with with keeping you know a little bit of a maybe a little bit of an, of an old school look, uh, which which I really like. Um, and most most uh, important, the product that I feel is performing the best for me. And um, you know, many many professional golfers and an amateur would would agree with that. Oh, great. Uh, right, Ben, I've got just a few quick five questions here. Okay. First is, what do you love most about your job? What do I love most about my job uh, is the possibility to uh, compete against the best players in the world. Do you remember the first time when you were starstruck at a golf tournament? Uh, well, it's it's been a long time. It must have probably been um, back in the days when the Challenge Tour event in Austria uh, was hosted in Fontana. I think that must have been 04. I was still an amateur then. And they had this Super Tuesday. And I think it was Nick Faldo and Bernhard Langer uh, at an exhibition shootout with some Austrian pros there as well, and uh, I got to shake uh, Sir Nick's hand and and Bernard Lange's hand, and uh, that was probably the first time when I was a little star. I wasn't able to play with them that day, uh, but yeah, that was the first time probably I was a little bit starstruck by a professional golfer. Uh, who's the best ball striker on tour? The best ball striker on tour. Um... Well, on the biggest scale, it's got to be Tiger, I guess. Yeah. What's your favourite tournament of the year? Including majors. Go majors and non-majors. Okay, so major would... From, from um, let's say, how for, for the players themselves, it's probably the, um, the, the Masters, uh, for, from, from a major point of view. From um, regular events on European tour, I would say any of the... The BMW events are really good. Like the, they look, they really make a, a big point of looking after all the players. Um, so uh, Wentworth or uh, BMW International in in Munich. I think Munich is a cool event. It's very, uh, very unique. Uh, I feel. What's your favorite course in Europe? 
um, Golf National in Paris. Nice. Uh, have you ever had a hole in one? Uh, yeah, had a few. Yeah, you must have. Um, any tournaments? Yeah, uh, I had one on Challenge Tour in I don't even know. Probably, probably was 2010. In Did you win a car or anything? No, I won nothing on Challenge Tour actually. Um, and then the the second one in tournament came at the Spanish Open in PJ Catalunya, where um, on on the 11th it's like a downhill path three, and I won. Uh, exactly 188 cans of beer. <laughs> Actually, it was bottles. It was bottles Brilliant. because so, some of them broke, and it wasn't even 188 that got delivered. So yeah. Uh, what is your lowest round? I guess like non-competitively, just playing at home or whatever. That was fun. Actually, I at my home course, I uh, I shot a 12, uh, 11 under par round. With a penalty stroke in a in like a in a sponsor outing, so that was the, the lowest comp, uh, in relation to par, uh, and they weren't the um, they, let's say they weren't the best of golfers, but it was fun because I shot like just 11 under, and they had no idea if I played well or not. Uh, and uh, in in a tournament, it was I think the 10 under in uh, at Scottish Open second round 61 on a par 71. Nice. Yeah. So was that 11 under a 59? Now it's in my home course, a par 73. So it was oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, what's the proudest moment of your career? Proudest moment of my career? I f- well, it has to be either the one, the win in, in Austria uh, in front of the home uh, fans and my family and uh, the w- or the win in Denmark last year after, after the injury. And what would your advice be for young amateurs hopeful of reaching the European Tour? Uh, go, go your own way. F- feel like uh, um, what, uh, what has gotten you to a point of becoming a great, great amateur will also, if you, if you keep working and if you keep doing the right things, excel you to being a successful professional. Um, trust your instincts and always be uh, uh, not afraid of putting in the extra shift in. Yeah, great advice. All right, Ben Wiesberger, thank you very much for your time. I think we've chatted for over an hour here, so yeah. much appreciated there. Perfect, yeah. I'll send you a bill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah. I guess just a lot of downtime and practice over the next few months, staying safe indoors. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's safe to go outside, outside but just uh, not too close to, to anyone else. But no, I'm... Um, I'm uh, going to do a little bit of gardening now, I think, because weather's nice. And I will go for a little bike run in the afternoon for a couple hours or so and uh, enjoy the nice weather in Austria today. Obviously, stay in safe distance of anyone else, but uh, get a little bit of sweat on and then probably try and catch uh, Matt Wallace's um, uh, set target on the Trackman uh, test center which I was unable oh, yeah, to beat so that. far. So uh, that bumps me a little bit. So I'll probably hit a few balls later as well. It's actually good fun to stay competitive and uh, yeah, make sure to stay active because it's important to do that to in order to stay, stay healthy as well. Uh, awesome. All right. Thanks again for your time. Much appreciated. Perfect. Thank you very much.